All right, welcome in Undraftables Podcast uh, 16, I believe. Life's been crazy. I had to take a week off uh, last week, uh, but we're back for episode number 16. Kate Carlton, Caleb Livingston with you. Uh, it's, uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of sports getting set to uh, – or a lot of sports going on, a lot of sports getting set to come back. College football returns this weekend. Uh, we'll see ACC the following weekend and the SEC at the end of September. So everything's about to get into full swing. Uh, have a lot of things to get into today. Before we get anything, I'll say what's up to uh, Caleb Livingston on the other side. What's going on, man? It's uh, good to be back. Uh, you know, just to, like you said last week, really busy with start of school, start of high school football in Arkansas. You That kept you really busy. And, yeah. Um, you know, we made a quick – Quick trip down to Mansfield, Texas, to play a little basketball and and uh, win a little tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, had a little fun down there and back at it again this week. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so crazy busy uh, last week, but uh, had some time tonight to get in an episode. So uh, thought we would. Um, it's uh, just past seven o'clock on a Thursday. We're recording this, so. Uh, uh, just some NBA news just came out about a, well, I don't know, a couple hours ago, hour or two hours ago, that uh, one Ja Morant, the point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, was named the NBA Rookie of the Year. Um, I think maybe going into the bubble, there might have been some question marks about, you know, if uh, if uh, Zion leads the Pelicans to the playoffs and Zion gives the Lakers a first-round series, he could win the NBA Rookie of the Year. But uh, it comes across today, John Morant had 99 of 100 first-place votes, so it was not even close. Uh, and he wins Rookie of the Year. And I think uh, there's there aren't a whole lot of people that disagree with that. No, I don't think you can. I mean, Zion even finished third behind Kendrick Nunn. Yeah. So, um, in, all, in all reality, I mean, Jaw was going to win it you know regardless right. so um you know and he deserved it he he had an unbelievable season if jaron jackson doesn't get hurt they make the playoffs as the eight seed um you know in my opinion and you know they he there's a bright future there in memphis yeah no doubt uh so i wasn't really surprised to see that um uh, i have been surprised just to see Two things. Number one, I've been surprised that the ratings have held up even through, uh, you know, the NBA's decision to postpone games last week. Uh, I was really interested to see how that would affect ratings, but the ratings have actually kind of stayed uh, on par from what they have been, if not up a little bit, uh, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, really surprised to see the heat go up. Two to zero on the Bucks. That's a surprising outcome. But one thing I was not surprised by last night was that in typical NBA fashion, um, in the last like four five minutes of two close good basketball games, instead of letting them play out, it turned into a referee foul fest, and it just got awful. Like especially at the end of Thunder Rockets last night. Like I don't even know what happened in the last five minutes. There were so many foul calls. So many stoppages at play. It just took away any momentum that that game had built up to that point. Well, and not only that, like I think people are still trying to figure out what Oklahoma City was trying to do on that last yeah. sideline out of bounds play. So like it was just, Steven Adams was open two separate times. Yeah, it's just like okay, and I mean, who who'd have thought that the 
that the Rockets had to go seven with Oklahoma City, and and really Oklahoma City had a chance to win it if they just throw it to Stephen Adams. Yeah. And um, I don't know, you know, the Rockets got the Lakers next. I, if they play like they did against OKC, that'll be a five or six game series as well. Um, but but James Harden can go off and average fifty in a series and make make it seven games. So. Yeah, um, I thought that I thought that Houston was going to win. I was surprised Oklahoma City pushed it to seven, but I think um, I think it's really helped like Chris Paul's legacy because I mean the Thunder weren't even projected to make the playoffs this year, and he gets them to the playoffs, and he gets them, you know, a few seconds away from going to the Western Conference semifinals. Uh, a guy who people have just you know crapped on for years about how he can't get it done in the postseason, and like he still didn't get it done in the postseason this year per se. But I do think the last couple of months of the bubble have helped Chris Paul's legacy. Yeah, I mean he's he's led a team that really doesn't have another you know they, do they even have another All Star you know yeah and and he's not exactly the the young Chris Paul either you know and and. Uh, they're playing – I mean, like I said, they took them to seven games and had a chance to win it. I mean, um, I don't think – you know, we talked about the playoffs before they started, and, you know, we both kind of said – I think you said the Rockets would probably sweep them, and I was thinking maybe five or six. And um, and kudos to Oklahoma City and Chris Paul. You know, Billy Donovan shows that he can flat-out coach and gets it – you know, can get it done. And, you know, hopefully they can get some people in there because that's a – that's a fun place to watch a playoff game, you know, on yeah. TV. And, um, you know, going back to what you said about uh, the Bucks, Heat, it's, is it surprising that it's 2-0? Yeah, in favor of the Heat. I thought it could be 1-1, but I think we've said all along that we didn't think the Bucks would make it out of the East to the to the yeah. finals. Yeah. And it's because of stuff like this. Now, don't get me wrong, they can, they can win the next four games. I mean, but – uh, I think we probably thought they would lose in the Eastern Conference Finals, to be honest. And it's not looking good for them in, in the Eastern Conference Semis. Yeah, and I think I said it a few weeks ago whenever we were talking about this, is that, you know, this year for the Bucks feels eerily similar to me of LeBron's last year in Cleveland, the first go-around, where it was just like, all right, if we don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, if we or if we don't get to the NBA Finals this year, if we can't get over that hump, like, I'm just out. And to me, it feels like, for Giannis, like, if they don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, at least, uh, especially if they don't, you know, if they don't get to the NBA Finals, he's just out. Uh, it just feels eerily similar like that to me. Uh, no doubt. I mean, he's uh, if he can't get there, he's never going to get there in Milwaukee. Right. And um, that sucks for him because he's 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 done a lot for the city, and the city's done a lot for him. You know, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, he's a guy that wants to win a title, and he's I'm sure he's going to go look for a team that can help him do that. Yeah, it, it, like honest to God, he might be playing against his future team in the playoffs right now. There's been a lot of traction there uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, like honestly, the East just might be a freaking bloodbath in the semifinals because uh, Boston's up 2-0, to zero, uh, looking like that they might hold on tonight and win that game against Toronto. Uh, and if they go up 3-0 on 
Toronto. Like that series is over. Like Toronto's not coming oh, back yeah. with a three zero deficit. So I, I was really surprised by that, just because I haven't really been in the Boston Celtics hype train. I think Jason Tatum is really good, and I think this year he's finally started to take that like next step to you know get to a point where he's a a budding superstar, but I'm not crazy about his surrounding cast, but man, they've put on a show against the Raptors so far. Well, yeah, Marcus Smart has really stepped up for them and uh, coming off the bench, making shots. And, you know, he's always one of the best defenders in the league, but if he's making shots like he is right now, it's, they're, they're tough. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, so, uh, NBA going on. I think it's probably going to take, a, a little bit of a hit this weekend with college football coming back. Like uh, Saturday night, uh, it's Nuggets Clippers. It's Raptors Celtics and Nuggets Clippers on Saturday night. Uh, my hot take is that the Arkansas State Memphis game on ESPN will outrate the NBA game in the same time slot. If not outrate, come extremely close uh, because college football is back. Uh, we got it back last weekend. Um, in exciting fashion uh, with Austin P in Central Arkansas. And, you know, you and I both were in Dallas. I don't know how much of the game you caught last weekend. I kind of caught it, you know, at a bar. But uh, it was good to have it back uh, last weekend. And now we're really going to start getting into full force uh, with college football Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this week. And then next week it kind of really uh, starts back up. Oh, yeah. I mean – yeah, tonight we got a little Central Arkansas versus UAB. Um, you know, how about UCA taking advantage of of the pandemic and getting you know getting on national TV last week and then yeah. on ESPN three this week and um, I mean and they they scheduled some interesting you know other games. You know, Bobby Petrino comes back to Arkansas with Missouri State. Uh, they go to North Dakota State and play, who's you know the best program in the FCS. Um, kudos to them, you know, but yeah, get more college football back this week. Uh, I think we're going to have a little segment at the end where we, we pick some games, uh, uh, you know, against the spread and, um, kind of see how we do. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be, obviously the slate isn't just phenomenal this week, uh, just because there aren't just a whole lot of games. Uh, I really do think, uh, Saturday night, uh, Arkansas State Memphis at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, like, if you made me pick the winner, I would say that Memphis is probably going to win the game. But I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people are projecting uh, because I've seen the line like hover around 16 through 19 range. So I think it's going to be closer than that. Um, but other than that, like Monday night, uh, BYU Navy – is pretty much a pick'em right now, and I think that's going to be that's going to be one of the best uh, games, if not the best game of the weekend uh, on Monday night. BYU and Navy. Yeah, uh, that's uh, you know it'll that'll be fun. You know, Navy uh, has been really good the last few years, and we always know BYU is. So, um, you know, looking looking forward to that. You know, I've got the UCA game pulled up right now, and looking in the stands. You know they've got the limited capacity and just looks weird, but hey, it's it's all about the product on the field this yeah, year. Yeah, it is. It, the crazy thing about it. So here's the thing. So Arkansas State goes to Memphis on Saturday at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, 
I mean, we live in Jonesboro. We're an hour away from Memphis uh, at Centennial Bank Stadium where Arkansas State plays. I think they can have up to like 13,000 people or something like that in the 30,000-seat stadium. So, I mean, it's a little under uh, half capacity, probably like 40, 35%, 40% capacity, something like that. So, A-State will have that in their first home game. For Memphis's first home game, in a stadium that is twice the size in a 60, 65,000 seat Liberty Bowl, they are they the city of Memphis has required them to have 12 feet of social distancing in between every party to either direction. So with that, they can only have 4,500 fans in a 60,000 seat stadium, and they've also restricted the total number of media that can be there to 24 on Saturday night. So Memphis has like gone way, way overboard with some of their precautions uh, uh, as they begin the season on Saturday. Yeah, that's going to, that's going to look really weird, but you know, lucky for you, you're one of 24 media members to get, get a pass and you get to be there and um, it'll be cool, you know, for you still. And uh, something you can say that you did during a pandemic. Yeah, it's uh, like once the game kicks off, I think it's going to be fine, but it's going to be that initial just nobody's in the stands in the pregame. Uh, when everybody stands up for the national anthem, anthem it's going to look like an empty stadium. But I think once you like get on the field and once you start like watching the game, it's going to be fine. Because, I mean, and truth be told, I didn't really – pay attention that much to UCA and Austin P because I didn't have the audio on or anything. But, you know, just watching that game last weekend, you hardly even noticed that there weren't fans there. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, TV stations are going to do a good job with camera angles and stuff to kind of make you forget about it. So um, I, I think the weirdest part for – I know me will be is not being able to hear the, the band play yeah. and, and things like that and – which is all the part of the college football camaraderie. Um, but, hey, I just want the games. So Yeah, that's kind of how I am. The band part is probably going to be the weirdest part, if not uh, one of the weirdest, if not the weirdest parts of uh, college football this year. Uh, so college football games coming up this weekend. We're going to do some uh, picks uh, to end the pod today, but a couple of uh, – a big hires that went on in the uh, basketball world. Uh, most notably, uh, I guess Steve Nash today to Brooklyn. But, I mean, two days ago you could argue that – or yesterday, however long it's been, you could argue this one was even bigger uh, is that Kelsey Plum, who's currently a player in the WNBA for the Las Vegas Aces, played at Washington. Uh, one of the superstars in the WNBA uh, got hired to be – an assistant at Arkansas for their women's basketball team uh, this upcoming season. And it kind of was one of the national news stories around not only women's basketball, but basketball as a whole a couple of days ago when it was announced and just a a, a huge, huge hire that really kind of puts Arkansas women's basketball on the map even more than they already were. Yeah, I mean, Coach Neighbors did a great job of, uh, you know, he had this hire made for a while. Um, but he kept it under wraps, and um, you know, Tuesday when the when the hire was announced was the first day that you know women's college basketball coaches could call juniors. You know, before it's always been the junior, you know, prospects or or sophomores, freshmen had to call those coaches. Now they can call and text, and 
he drops that you know nugget out there, and which I'm sure made recruits excited about the possibility of getting to be coached and trained by somebody like Kelsey Plum. Yeah, no doubt, and it, like that is almost kind of unheard of. And like obviously, it works out with the WNBA season because the, the WNBA season doesn't start until summer, and it's you know, really over with uh, in a normal year by the time, you know, you're starting to get back to campus and, you know, you're, you're really starting to get in the flow of uh, preseason stuff. So, I mean, that's that's a huge hire, but, I mean, it's something really that nobody in women's college basketball has done to have one of the active superstars of the WNBA be sitting on your bench as a coach. Uh, it it kind of happens, maybe not superstar more than, what people think, um, you know, Don Staley got hired at South Carolina and she was still playing in the WNBA yeah. as a head coach. Um, you know, we've had like people like Sydney Colson, um, has, has done it. There's been others, but you know, and, and really the thing about it is Kelsey's not even a full-time assistant. She's a graduate assistant right. at that. So, um, you know, and, and it makes sense. She's going to try to rehab, you know, from her Achilles injury. And it'll be great for those kids to be able to learn and, and work out with her. And, and then she, and she can share her knowledge of what Coach Neighbors likes, doesn't like. And, you know, and he as he continues to build that program. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so, great hire there. Really looking forward to seeing them play next year. Uh, obviously, you know, you and I both have a little bit of tie just because we know Alana. Uh, so excited to see her play uh, up there next year as well. But uh, another big news story that came out uh, today on Thursday was that kind of out of left field to me because I never really heard Steve Nash's name mentioned in the conversation uh, for the Brooklyn Nets' new head coaching position or the head coaching vacancy. But he was named the newest uh, head coach for the Brooklyn Nets today. Uh, they're going to keep uh, Jock Vaughn, who was the interim on staff, as one of the lead assistants. And so uh, Steve Nash, who was in the front office uh, and around for the Warriors title runs with Kevin Durant, uh, reunites with KD in Brooklyn. And it, it's going to be interesting because I don't think we've seen just a whole lot of uh, players – at least in the last 10 or so years, players that have been able to successfully make that, you know, transition from playing from playing basketball to coaching basketball. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Steve Nash uh, fares at that. I thought it was also interesting that for a first-year coach, a guy that hasn't even has never even been an assistant to automatically get a four-year contract right off the jump. So uh, inter- going to be interesting to see what Steve Nash does uh, with a lot of talent on that roster next year. Well, I think there's no doubt that they'll – I mean, Brooklyn made the playoffs this year yeah. <laughs> without their two best players. Um, they'll make the playoffs, and you, you got to think they'll be a, a, a contender to get to the finals. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of like it, uh, you know. Um <laughs> You know, Steve Kerr worked because obviously he had a lot of talent. Brooklyn's got a lot of talent, too. Yeah. You know, once they get healthy. Um, you know, Jason Kidd, was he awful in Milwaukee? No. Was he great? No. Um, I don't know. You know, it's going to be one of those. It's obvious Steve Nash knows the game. Um, it's obvious KD and Kyrie signed off on it. Um, I don't know. It's, I think it'll be neat. I think he – has a chance to be, you know, a pretty good coach. So, 
Yeah, um, yeah, the Steve Nash thing is interesting to me because I don't know if you remember what, like when he initially retired from the NBA, you know, right about the time, it might have been during his like retirement press conference or, you know, just right around the time he was retiring. You know, I remember him saying that he probably wasn't going to be around the game of basketball. You know, he's a big soccer guy. So uh, I think whenever he retired, he thought he would like go into ownership or go into the front office or go into something with a uh, a soccer team. And I think he might have done that for a year or two. And then he came back with the Warriors. So, you know, it's almost like he kind of went away from the game then got that itch to come back. And now, you know, getting that head coaching position at Brooklyn. So, uh, I really like it just because I never really expected to see Steve Nash a part of the game once he retired. No, especially, I mean, who who knew he was going to be a coach? You know, he come back in the front office, was successful, but you know, now he's back on the sidelines, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I think he'll be good for the league. Um, you know, I think people are excited about it, except maybe Stephen A. Smith, and you know, <laughs> yeah, who cares what he thinks? So, um, but no, you know, that's that's some good NBA news, and you know, a good hire, and we'll see how we'll see what kind of season we have next year. Who knows if we'll be in a bubble or not then? But yeah, um, hopefully not. Yeah, yeah, hopefully not. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So. Uh, all right, so a couple of things uh, before we get out of here. We didn't talk about doing this, but I saw this Twitter. Or I saw this question on Twitter yesterday uh, from one of the local sports talk shows. It was their question of the day. Uh, it was, "What sports injury broke your heart the most?" And so I'll go first to give you a little bit of time to th- uh, think on it uh, because I, I really. I saw it, and then I kind of tried to think about it, and then I saw you know somebody I follow who works for Arkansas State currently was actually at Ole Miss uh, as one of the video guys during the Hugh Freeze era, uh, and his response was Laquan Treadwell breaking his leg going in for the game-winning score against Auburn in 2014, uh, and that is – that one is definitely mine. It stands It stands alone at the top just because, uh, like, uh, Ole Miss is, Laqu- is a Laquan Treadwell snap leg on the goal line away from going to the SEC championship game that year. Um, and it, like, I, I don't really know how to, like, describe that moment. I mean, you go from Laquan Treadwell is about to score and we're about to win the game to he just snapped his leg on the one-yard line and Auburn recovered the football and they're going to win. And that's I went with two other friends. I don't think we spoke a word. We we went to a gas station, got chicken on a stick in Oxford, sat in the sat in the traffic in Oxford trying to get out. Uh, you know, so it was probably an hour or so before we got out of Oxford, and I still don't know that we spoke a word until we were about thirty minutes uh, up north of Oxford, just because it was it was agonizing. It was the worst sports injury to me ever. You know, that's that's a great question. Um, I don't know if I have a moment like that, but I guess a, a guy that I hated to see get hurt was somebody like Penny Hardaway. Yeah. You know, um, he was well on his way to, to superstardom. And I mean, he had, I mean, little Penny, he had his own shoe and, uh, just to see him get hurt and his career kind of end that, that was, that kind of, you know, wasn't, wasn't good for him or the league at the time. I don't think, um, Cause it's kind of changed the fate of the league. You know, Shaq goes to the goes to L.A. and you know teams yeah. up with Kobe, and 
you know, could it have been, you know, the Shaq and Penny show, you know, could they would have won a couple titles. Who knows? Uh, but Penny's doing well for himself now. Yeah, he's he's not bad off right now. I think he's probably – I think he was probably happy last year the college football season got uh, uh, scrapped because Memphis kind of plummeted down the stretch. But that's a different story for a different day. Uh, so, uh, I guess a couple of more things to get into before we get out of here. Uh, number one, we'll look at uh, some college football picks for this weekend. And number two, I know we were kind of talking about uh, – one show in particular we're currently watching, so we'll get into that uh, before we get out of here, too. But uh, college football picks this weekend, uh, to me, the most interesting line and the most gettable line is Memphis minus 19 against Arkansas State. Memphis is without their star running back, Kenny Gainwell, who also was top two or three on the team in receiving yards last year, was voted – as a sophomore in a group of five conference to be, I think, an All-American third-teamer this year. Uh, so a guy that's going to the NFL and probably is going to have a good career in the NFL uh, is out for Memphis. Memphis did not get a spring football at all. Memphis is replacing a is replacing Mike Norvell with a first-year head coach, Ryan Silverfield, like literally his first head coaching job ever and they're a minus-19 favorite against Arkansas State. So, to me, with all that added in, add in the fact that A-State got a spring, add in the fact that they have two very, very good quarterbacks on the roster, I think Memphis wins the game, but I would be shocked if it's 19. I think that's the most gettable line of the weekend. I agree. I agree. Um, I don't think either team's going to be able to stop the other. And Yeah. Um, it probably comes down to Memphis has a little bit better overall talent on their roster. Um, you know, I can see a 10 to 13 point game, um, you know, with, with maybe Memphis hitting a late field goal to kind of ice it or something. So, uh, it's just going to be fun, you know, prime time. And, uh, ASU definitely has the, uh, the quarterback play, you know, yeah, yeah. um, but, you know, what's the old saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. So Yeah, that's the um, thing. So how do you how do you manage that? Because very rarely have you seen in college football where playing two quarterbacks at the same time works. I, I just yeah. I don't ever really recall a scenario where it worked for a full season. Like you've seen instances where like, you know, one quarterback goes down for injury and then, you know, the backup emerges and you realize the backup's better than the starting quarterback. We saw that at Ohio State a couple of years ago. We saw that at Bama just recently with Tua. So you see that, but to have two quarterbacks going at the same time, to me, um, it never works. Um, so I took Central Arkansas plus 20 and a half tonight, uh, Texas State plus 22. Um, against SMU, A-State plus 19. Then I had BYU outright to win against Army. Uh, Navy. Or Navy, I'm sorry. Army outright to get outright to win against uh, Middleton C and then Southern Miss against South Al tonight. So. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go Southern Miss. I'll go Army. Um, I'll go SMU. Oh, you're taking uh, SMU in the points? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go A-State. Uh, reluctantly, but uh, it's against my religion. But hey, <laughs> um, I'll go BYU, and I will go. Well, that's it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, that's it. 
I don't I don't like those big lines week one. I don't like Texas State being a twenty two point dog or A State being a nineteen point dog. Just if it was a regular year, I might pick it, but in the COVID year where you know, nothing was normal and everybody had a shortened off season, I don't see anybody just beating beating up on a team that bad this week. And I could be wrong, but I just don't see it. And then I'll I'll probably take UAB um, over UCA. Yeah. Um, I like UCA in the points, though. Yeah. And it'll be an interesting one. The UCA has already gone two, three and outs. So, not looking great so far. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, go Bears. Yeah, go Bears. Uh, one last thing. Hey, sh- sh- shout out the Orioles. Yeah, shout out they're, to the Orioles. Yeah, they're, they're kind of hanging the week. Kind of hanging around, I guess, um, but not gonna win the World Series. He wasted his money. Yeah, um, I wish the Cubs would win the World Series, but I don't know at this point. Uh, they're they're like twenty two and fifteen, but it doesn't feel like they're all that great. So I I don't know. We'll see. Uh, one last thing before we get out of here, uh, you and I both I think uh, are rewatching a show. You were talking about it last weekend when we were. Uh, in Dallas and then coming back from Dallas last weekend. Uh, and so usually like, so my deal is whenever I'm doing game prep or just whenever I'm working on stuff, like I have to have something going on in the background. Like I have to have like music playing or TV show or movie, something like that. So usually I'll go back and like watch TV shows on Netflix or something like that. And so I made the mistake this week of uh, just watching random episodes of How I Met Your Mother. And so now I have restarted it, and I'm about halfway through season one, and I know you're re-watching it as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm halfway through season three, and, you know, I can't tell you which – I think you said this is your sixth time to watch it. It's probably my fourth or fifth. Yeah. It's... Um, just you, you, you forget about little things that happen, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is why I love the show. So. Yeah, it's – to me, it's the most rewatchable TV show ever. Uh, I think Seinfeld might be up there in terms of rewatchability, but to me, How I Met Your Mother is like the most rewatchable TV show ever just because, like, there are certain episodes, like, on the rewatches you might skip, but I would say, like, 90-plus percent of them, like, you can rewatch over and over and not get tired of them. I agree. I'm with you there. Yep. Uh, no doubt. So, uh that'll do it for us uh next week we'll be back i don't know if it's with a guest or if it's just us uh but we'll be back uh next week good to be back after a week off so uh until next week have a great weekend enjoy the football enjoy all the sports this weekend uh we'll talk to you guys next week for caleb Livingston, i'm kate carlton so long.